Welcome to Table Radio Season 2. Today's sermon is from Sunday, July 4th of 2021 and was preached by our friend Liz Snell from Labrie, Canada. Enjoy! Hi everyone, I'm Liz Snell. I'm really happy to be with you here today. It's We're pre-recording today because Josh is away uh, and it's a super hot day. So if you see me sweating, it's not because I'm nervous, it's just because it's very hot. Um, so today I'm going to be, or is it tonight? I don't know. Uh, but I'm preaching from 1 John chapter 4. I will read the passage later, uh, so you won't get it up front, but we will get there, just so you know. Um, let me just pray for us before we begin. Lord God, thank you that you are the one who loves us the most of all, that you have made us and you care for us tenderly like a father with his children. And I pray that as we dive into scripture today and look at our bond with you, that we would know and learn how to love you more, to love each other more, and to receive your love more deeply. Would you help me to speak words that are true of you? And would you help us to have ears from you to hear the truth? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to take you back to spring 2020. That feels like forever ago, um, at least to me. And that was a really hard season for me in my own life, not just because of the pandemic, which is obvious, um, but I'd just seen two of my closest friends go through a faith deconstruction. And I was really struggling with how God could allow this to happen to so many people I loved. And I'd had a particularly anxious spiral in one of those friendships. I just couldn't stop obsessively worrying and analyzing. And I kept thinking, what is wrong with me? Don't answer that. (laughs) When the pandemic came, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I picked up a book on attachment theory. And attachment theory is about how we form secure bonds in our relationships. Well, as I read, I quickly identified these patterns that describe my relationship preoccupations. Check, check, check. And I found the book so helpful in identifying the basics of attachment theory. But the whole time I was reading it, I kept thinking, what does this mean for me as a Christian? The book wasn't written by Christians, and it put a lot of emphasis on romantic relationships to meet your secure attachment needs. But I've been single all my life. And even if I weren't, I know that I can't expect anyone to provide me with the level of security that this book describes. Our Western culture on the whole has a pretty confused way of thinking about human attachment. On one hand, we have this tendency to emphasize independence and self-sufficiency. So we love stories about people who set off to survive in the wilderness alone. And we praise this lifestyle that leaves us free to pick up our bags at any time and connect with whoever we want in whatever way we want. The open road is our culture's holy grail, at least for millennials like me. The mountains are calling and I must go. Notice that nobody has a poster that's inspirational that says, my children are calling and I must go. With freedom and choice as our culture's greatest goods, we don't have much practice with forming stable, committed ties. But this pandemic has shown us starkly that we do, in fact, need community and close relationships. 
We can't thrive without them. On the other hand, we can look to each other to meet all of our attachment needs, especially in romantic relationships. And we have this highly idealistic view of one other person being able to complete us and offer all the reassurance and understanding we need. Human relationships are very important for our secure relating. But if they're our only way of finding security, they can easily become an idol. Then, when our friend or partner or parent doesn't live up to our expectations or our needs for reassurance, we can be crushed and angry. The person we once loved can become our enemy. We need something more for security than simply human relationships. Now, you probably see where I'm going with this. My relationship with God should be the primary source of security. And I have been told this again and again. Maybe you have too. But often my relationship with God has been yet another place I worry and overanalyze, trying my hardest to please and then beating myself up when I fail. Often, if I'm honest, it's been a source of disappointment and even loneliness. So my guiding question this past year has been, what does secure attachment with God look like? My theory is that our attachment with God has a strong correlation with how we attach to humans. So if I'm right, developing a secure attachment with God will in turn help us define more stability and contentment in human relationships. And I know that this sounds technical, but it won't be too technical. And I just want to say a quick word about what attachment theory is to orient us before I get into the scripture. So psychologists have discovered that bonding, especially with one individual, helps infants to thrive. Even if infants have all their physical needs taken care of, if bonding is not intact, they will not develop properly. And you can see this through studies done in orphanages where the children failed to thrive, even though all their physical needs were provided for. So infants need caregivers who are consistently attuned to their needs and able to respond appropriately to soothe and contain their emotions. Without this need being met, children won't be able to properly bond with their caregivers and they will struggle to receive comfort effectively. When a baby is secure, it can seek comfort and receive it. But some infants are anxiously attached, where the child wants comfort but it can't receive it. And some are avoidant, where the child prefers to comfort herself rather than to receive soothing from the caregiver. So secure, anxious, and avoidant, those are the three primary attachment styles. Now, researchers have also discovered that attachment functions in a similar way in adult relationships, especially in romantic relationships. So some people are able to express a need for intimacy and then receive someone's closeness. That is a secure attachment style. Others long for connection and reassurance, but they spiral into anxiety over any sign that the relationship might be threatened. That's anxious attachment. And a third group struggles to be vulnerable and to allow others to come close and to know them, and that is avoidant. So attachment style is usually most influenced by our early years, but sometimes people become insecure attachers because of a later trauma they might go through. And by the same token, someone with an insecure attachment style can move towards security. So we can change to become more securely attached. Good news. But the question this begs, the question that I have been begging for myself is how? How do we do this? 
Well, I believe that the Christian God is unique in his capacity to provide us with secure attachment. He is the perfect example of secure relating, of being neither anxious nor avoidant. Since I've learned about attachment theory, I can't help but see how it shows up in scripture. And I want to look today at the concept of abiding in Christ as the underlying basis for secure attachment, both to God and in our human relationships. So I'm going to read this section from 1 John chapter 4, and then I'm going to reflect on it. Okay, here we go. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So, that's a well-known passage, and there's lots to unpack. There are three aspects I want to look at. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's my handler. Um, so what does God's love look for us look like in light of attachment? Then how do we relate to God in that love? And how does our relationship with God extend to our human relationships? So first, this passage keeps telling us that God is the initiator of love. We don't have to earn his love or to work up our own love for him. John says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and we love because he first loved us. So our love is always only a response to the love that God has shown to us first. So if you tend to be anxious in relationships, this means you don't have to constantly be worrying about losing or earning God's love. And if you're more avoidant, this proves that God is capable of love regardless of what you do for him. He doesn't need you to love him for him to love you back. He doesn't need us, but he chooses us over and over again. And what this love looks like at its most profound is Jesus coming into the world, choosing to be near us and to suffer with us and for us. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this is the epitome of non-avoidance. God did not stay far off, but he got right into the muck, and he still does. God bound himself to his people in the Old Testament covenants, and he created a new covenant with us in Christ. 
So we can trust his promise to remain steadfast. This is how God describes himself, steadfast. Another thing that this passage tells us is that the very nature of God demonstrates secure attachment. So John mentions the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. God is a trinity, three and one. And that means that God is securely attached. He is inherently relational, and he was before we ever came along. He loved before we existed. So what does this mean for us? Because we're created in God's image, we're made for relationship too. We are made to be attached, to be interdependent. But God as Trinity also tells us something else. God doesn't need us. God already has secure relationship. So he doesn't have to anxiously cling to us, demanding that we fill his needs. God's pursuing is not forceful or manipulative. This is a good reminder for people who are more avoidant. God is not this smothering helicopter parent. The Father sends the Son so that our communion with God is restored. He dwells in us and us in him through the Spirit. So God has given us the Holy Spirit in us closer even than Jesus walking the earth in the flesh. John says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of the Spirit. The Spirit is the sign and the means of us abiding in Christ. And there's a little quote from, from this book, Union with Christ by Rankin Wilborn. Becoming a Christian means more than believing Christ did certain things for you long ago. It means that Christ joins his life to yours in such an intimate and comprehensive way that the prevailing metaphor for this union in the Bible is marriage. It's a metaphor, but it's not only a metaphor, because the Holy Spirit, the bond of this connection, is not metaphorical. The Holy Spirit is real, which means if you are in Christ, Christ has truly made himself one with you. So abiding is the form of our relationship with God. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. This is such a beautiful image and one we don't ponder often enough. It has been very comforting for me to reflect on. What could be a more secure attachment than this? We are in God, and God is in us. He is at home in us, and we are at home in him. And it's incredible, both that God would want to make his home in us, and that we're invited to make our home in him. It's through the Holy Spirit that we receive this gift. It's not possible by our own anxious efforts. Jesus himself uses this language in John 14. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. How beautiful and mysterious is that? So last summer, the uncertainty and the upheaval of the pandemic of Black Lives Matter and other global issues made the future feel so tenuous. Combined with my anxiety in my personal relationships, my trust in God was feeling pretty wobbly. Then I saw Vanessa wearing a necklace with a famous quote from Julian of Norwich, who was a medieval mystic. And the quote just said, all shall be well. It's a famous saying of hers, and it's a simple one. But it really caught at me in that moment, and I started reading Julian's book, which is called Revelations of Divine Love. And Julian's experience was surprisingly relevant. She'd endured major upheaval in her society and her personal life. The Black Death destroyed at least half of her hometown, likely including her husband and children. 
and she herself almost died. There were rioting peasants and political upheaval, and she lived alone as an anchoress on a, in a room on the side of the church, never leaving. Does that sound familiar? But Julian had this deep conviction of her secure attachment to God that he made, that he loves, and that he keeps all of creation. And she didn't need to know everything that would happen to trust in God's character, especially in his nature as Trinity. She didn't know about attachment theory, but her language reflects this secure attachment. She beautifully expresses our union with God in this quote. The high goodness of the Trinity is our Lord, and in him we are enclosed, and he in us. We are enclosed in the Father, and we are enclosed in the Son, and we are enclosed in the Holy Ghost. And the Father is enclosed in us, and the Son is enclosed in us, and the Holy Ghost is enclosed in us. Almightiness, all wisdom, all goodness, one God, one Lord. Wow. So this doesn't mean that we enclose God in, in the same sense as God encloses us because God is far greater than we are. But it does mean that there's a mutual indwelling that's the epitome of intimacy, more than any human relationship could ever provide. And we see what effect this secure attachment has in us. Perfect love casts out fear. So at the root of insecure attachment is this lack of trust. It involves fear either the fear of abandonment or the fear of being smothered. And there is no perfect human love from our parents, our spouses, or our friends. Only God's perfect love can drive out these fears. So when we grow in abiding in Christ, this does wonders for our human relationships too. The Bible gives us many images of what secure human attachment is meant to look like. So of marriage, we hear that the two shall become one flesh, of the church, we have this image of a body where all the parts work together with Christ as the head. We are made to attach to each other. But the basis of the secure attachment is God. John says that because God loves us, we should love each other. But this love can only come about through God's love. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us, John says. The NIV says we know and rely on the love God has for us. This reliable love allows us to engage in human relationships without being needy or having to constantly assert our independence. We can set appropriate boundaries knowing that we're already secure in a God who doesn't need us but chooses us. So a child with secure attachment to her primary caregiver is able to engage with new things in her environment without fear. Infants actually explore more when their primary caregiver is present because they feel safe. And this is the same for us with God. When we have a secure attachment to God, we no longer need to put so much pressure on those around us to reassure us or to give us space. Our identity is held in him. So even if we lose a close relationship, we have a home to return to that can't be shaken by storm. John says, there is no fear in love. With perfect love, we don't fear losing closeness and we don't fear being suffocated or drained by neediness. We will fail to love God perfectly, but that doesn't mean that he will withhold his love from us. Though God meets the longings of both people who are anxious and avoidant, he challenges both. The anxious one needs to learn to trust God even when he seems absent. And the avoidant one needs to trust that God will give more than he takes. 
When I first started recognizing my anxious attachment patterns, I felt really overwhelmed. I didn't know how to change them. They seemed so deep-rooted. But I came to trust that God had brought them to light for a reason, and he would stay with me as I worked through them. So this gave me the security to go to challenging places in my human relationships without worrying that I would totally lose my stability. That's what a secure attachment allows you to do. And since then, some of my relationships are not as close as they used to be. And I've grieved that loss, but I haven't needed to cling and to worry like I used to do. With other relationships, I've taken the leap to be more vulnerable and open. And I've experienced a deeper level of love and trust as a result. And I'm wiping my brow because it was really scary. (laughs) But allowing those I love to love me, even in my messiness and my anxiety, has helped me understand and accept God's love more deeply, too. John makes this amazing claim. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So we see God in part through how others love us and through how we love them. And somehow God's love is brought to completion through being worked out in our human relationships, which seems amazing to me. This is the mystery of the relationship between God's love and human love. God teaches us how to love each other, and we teach each other how to love and to be loved by God. We can't have one without the other. God has made us to know love through human relationships, but all our love comes from God as its source and its proper end. Without that knowledge, our relationships become idols that we constantly look to for security or try to escape because they're too constraining. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. John tells us that we can't love God without loving each other. This isn't because we're trying to earn God's love by loving others or because that's how we're saved. It's because it's the fabric of reality. This is how love works. Love between the members of the Trinity overflows into love for us, and our love for God and his for us overflows into love for others. So we don't have to grasp and clutch and hold on to whatever love we have because there is always more love to be found in Christ. I can truly say that I've experienced deep change in the way I relate to and attach with both God and others. And honestly, I really didn't think this was possible. But God has helped me to attach securely to him and to grow in my trust. So I want to prompt you today to look at the places that you feel either suffocated or anxious in your relationship with God or with others. And when you read your Bible, pay attention to how God demonstrates secure attachment. Look for how he both gives us free choice and comes close to us. And then allow him to reassure you of his perfect love and challenge you to live that love out in your human relationships without fear. So let's take a moment to pray before we move on. Father God, thank you for this deep, profound love that you have shown us through your nature, which is to love. And thank you that you invite us into that love that you have in the Trinity, that we are living in you and you are living in us. 
I pray that you would sink this mystery deep into our hearts and that you would help us live out of this reality that we are securely loved in you and that we can love others out of this love. And I pray that you would speak to us about who we are and who you are to us and help us to move into love and out of fear. In Jesus' name. extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by The Preparation EP, written and arranged by Coco Relieve, and can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca. Ever present God, you're a